if you're hurting women, it, you're probably not on the uh, uh, people in general. Because, um, but if you're hurting women, it's probably you're probably not on the right on the right side of right here. Let's just start off with that. And where? How do you? How do you? You sit at home, thinking that this is appropriate when the a lot of the ayatollahs that are part of the Supreme Council have the, there's all these pictures flooded of their daughters traveling internationally in like short dresses and dancing and doing stuff when you're holding this sort of double standard. Welcome to Crossing Face for a Christian and Muslim speak religion and politics. I'm JT Penna. Uh, I'm the, the resident Muslim and we have Matthew Hawkins, who's the, uh, the Christian on board, you know, evangelical. I'm doing the lead in because we were chatting a little bit. I did a, a, a little bit. It was a little blasphemous right before. And then, um, but I figure we, we have a lot, not a, not a lot. We have super, a lot of news happening. We have stuff going in Iran. We have our Ukraine. We have Afghanistan. We got Burma and all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, we wanted to lead in with uh, Matthew. His family is, his parents are in uh, Florida somewhere. We know that the yeah. um, hurricane has hit. And so we figure we chat a little bit about, uh, I don't know, just talk a little bit about what's going on with your fam. Because I know that your dad's a pastor, right? Yeah, my dad pastors a church um, at a retirement community called Shell Point. Uh, it's located in Fort Myers, and the Fort Myers Sanibel area uh, was was basically where this place was worst hit on the West Coast. Um, and so, a lot of <clears throat> a lot of areas are still without electricity. Um, uh, my parents finally have water now at their house, but it's still under a boil alert, and uh, so that <clears throat> that. Uh, it's been a it's been a long week and they've got a lot long road ahead of them. Thankfully, my parents' house was not flooded apart from the garage, uh, but a lot of their neighbors were. Uh, it was it's kind of a kind of rolled the dice as to which homes got flooded. My my parents' home was like a less than an inch away from uh, getting uh, getting a bunch of water in the door. Um, but the campus that uh, where my dad's church is. Um, is physically on an island. Uh, Shell Point is a retirement community, uh, one of the largest uh, in the state, and they have a lot of different kinds of properties. Um, but the oldest part of the property is on basically a man-made island. It was made on top of an island of mangroves. Um, it's been there for uh, at least a few decades, I think. But uh, a lot of those, <clears throat> that's where the church is. Um, I think the, the church... Uh, the church is by and large okay. I haven't received a, a large, up, a significant update lately. Um, but a lot of the roofing, uh, I think the roofing shingles and stuff were uh, taken off. Um, I think most people are were safe and secure. They've got a lot of protocols built in for how to move uh, independent living people if they don't evacuate, and then also uh, assisted living folks into more inland medical facilities. Um, my grandmother's down there. Um, She's uh, 97 and uh, and not doing well uh, health wise, but uh, they're giving her good care there. Um, in fact, the they had just moved her from assisted living into a medical facility, and that assisted living facility that she had moved from just a few days earlier uh, was flooded. Um, so she would be out of that room anyway um, by now. But uh, my parents thankfully fared very well. But uh, they they have a community to support uh, as a as a pastor in a church. Um, um, that's pretty devastated. Um, 
and including nearby, they're about 10 minutes away from a place uh, called Sanibel Island. There's Sanibel and Captiva. They're two barrier islands that are connected by uh, road. And there's like a causeway. So it's like a multi-bridge, multi-island causeway that goes from the mainland over to Sanibel. And that's just destroyed. Uh, it'll probably be a year before it's rebuilt. <clears throat> and so you have uh, about like a little under 7,000 residents, I think, just from Sanibel uh, who are completely displaced. Um, and they were doing search and rescue at least through Sunday following um, and search and rescue only. And uh, and also like it was 24 hour curfew. So like nobody was allowed on the island uh, because it's just not safe. Um, places that have been there for decades are just wiped off the map and uh, it's completely reshaped um that that coast down there and uh so that's <clears throat> that's where kind of a lot of our a lot of my my attention has been the last several days um read read the testimony of one there's a community church that was on sanibel and uh the pastor and his family um, evacuated appropriately um but like it's they got nothing um the the church is gone the house is gone um I think his his all his belong that pastor's belongings you know will f fit in his car now um so it's just a it's a community that's been pretty devastated and uh they're using uh they're they've been moving in barges uh, the plan is to move barges in to act as ferries between the mainland and wow. the uh and the islands uh just to get right now they're just they're just worried about getting um uh, emergency vehicles um, and first responding vehicles over there so that they can clear the area. Um, the, the more Northern Island called Captiva appears maybe was not hit quite as bad. I think the roads are still intact, but it's, it's on the other side of the, of Sanibel Island, uh, which is key to getting there. So it's like, it's, it's helicopter and, and boat access only right now. Ah. It just sounds nuts. I mean, I, I, I went to school in Florida, you know, and, and, and when they did this, I, I was in like Andrew when I was really, really young and it was, mm -hmm. it was, it's, you've been through one hurricane. You're like, all right, that's it. I'm done. You know, I, so I don't know how, you know, like I, I love Florida, especially the West coast of Florida, but it's so tough. So it, you're, but your, your grandmother's okay. I mean, she's 96 and, and she was already in hospital, but, but she's okay. And your, your family, your mother and father are okay. And, and uh, what's the, what's like, what's, what's happening with, you know, support services and stuff like that. Like how, how does a, how does a pastor who's at ground zero there, who's in the, you know, the eye of the storm, like, what is your, like, what's, how does that, how does that look like? How's that, you know, is it just humanitarian efforts? Is there services outside Do you guys like what's going on there as far as from a faith perspective? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, honestly, even the, the life of the pastor in the in the immediate aftermath doesn't look a whole lot different than everybody else. You know, I think they're they're just trying to get a handle on on their own home and uh, try to try to figure out how to get some some normalcy back in into life. Um, my my own parents had to, <clears throat> my aunt and a family friend had visited my grandmother uh, the, b up prior before the hurricane and they got they got basically stranded in Florida because their flight on Tuesday got canceled. And uh, so they were they evacuated to a hotel and that hotel too by the airport um, was uh, uh, also without electricity and water except for a generator. Um, and the, the airport was shut down. So they actually ended up driving my aunt and, and their family friend to, uh, 
uh, to Tampa to catch a flight out on Sunday, um, which is like two and a half, three yeah. hours north. Um, and so my parents took the opportunity to take a break um, from the stress of recovery and stayed, stayed an evening in a hotel. And <clears throat> because up in Tampa, things are a little more functional than they are in Fort Myers. And so they, they got some rest and some showers and um, geared up uh, Monday to head back to, uh, to stock up with some stuff. Um, so they're, they're back home now, but I don't think they have electricity. They certainly don't have air conditioning. Um, and so, uh, and it, it's one thing to survive any of this and, and deal with recovery, but you're talking about a community of mostly senior citizens. Yeah. Uh, my, my parents are mid to upper sixties now and the community they serve, uh, like they're the youngins, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, most of their population of the community they serve is 70 to eighties. So I imagine, um, the priority now for that, um, for that community is just getting, making people, uh, making sure they're settled and have a place to stay. Um, and, uh, if they're not, if they didn't go North and yeah. then, and then, uh, I think I imagine that the church will cobble together some form of, uh, prayer and worship service. Uh, it's questionable. Um, I haven't asked the specific question, but just knowing the devastation that's down there, um, I'm, I'd be curious if they actually ended up having uh, a church service. However, uh, the community does have a, a an amphitheater. Uh, like they'll they'll do concerts and um, and even uh, like Easter morning services, um, it's like sunrise services on Easter morning. So they do have the capacity to gather outside uh, mm-hmm. if the church building is not um, is not safe or. Uh, or, or conducive to gathering. So I think that's what kind of what, that's a glimpse into what life is like right now. Uh, and they're, you know, they're communicating with their neighbors and uh, uh, seeing what support they can give them. Well, I mean, I, like I said, I appreciate it, you know, cause it's, it, you know, given, I mean, it's like from the front lines of what's going on. I mean, we usually talk religion and politics and all kinds of other stuff, but you know, when something happens in with our families, it's, in, you know, it's, I think it's important to talk about, what we're doing and, 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 and what, what, you know, what's going on and how we're dealing with it. You know? So I know that it can't be, can't be easy. Like I said, I was, I was in a few with few of those storm, few of those or hurricanes when I was, when I was younger and I just love Florida, not going to do it. Although I do yeah. love New Orleans and I, I think <laughs> I might, I, I might live in the French, I, I, if I could, I think I'd live in the French quarter, but anytime a storm would come, like any inkling of a storm. Right. Like, yeah. 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 And I'm I've out. never on the ground floor of anything, but, um, but, but yeah, but the West coast of Florida is like, it's just, it's so beautiful, you know? So, yeah. um, so I think probably most of the time it's, it's not that bad. So your family, so your parents are back and they're yeah. just, they're muddling through the recovery of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I typically get like one, one daily update, uh, per day, sometimes a phone call. Um, but they've just, they've got, they've got their hands full. So I try not to pester them too much for updates, but, uh, they, they try to keep me aware of what's going on. Right. Right. Okay. So, yeah. uh, I mean, so we were, we were chatting. Uh, well, I mean, if you need anything for me, let me know, you know, I, I can, uh, I, you know, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't know what, what's, I think DeSantis is, is, is gearing up as much as he can for what's going on. I was listening to other podcasts. So I listened to like Joe Rogan cause you know, he's left and then like Matt Walsh cause he's right. And sometimes Ben Shapiro, you know, depending on, on what they're <laughs> talking about. And uh, it was Matt Walsh who said that uh, or was chatting, who's really criticizing the White House because the, the press secretary was saying that the uh, um, uh, that climate change, you know, is is has created, you know, the hurricanes is the worst hurricane that's ever happened. 
And uh, so he was very critical about that. And, uh, and, and, and uh, talking about how well, uh, you know, if, 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 uh, if climate change change was addressed, then uh, appropriately by the Democrats, and that's why you need to vote the, de- and, you know, vote, vote Democrat, you know, in the, in the midterms, and in 2024, then, you know, hurricanes will, 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 it'll address the hurricane issue. And so he was very, very critical about how, well, if you're a conservative, we're causing hurricanes. And it was really, you know, yeah. and Matt, 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 Matt Walsh is always like, he always goes like straight, you know, 30 steps down the road. Uh, but uh, but it was a really funny conversation because ever since I remember, every storm that ever comes is the worst storm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, it's a, you know, and I don't remember when I was little, um, what's, uh, what was, what's the, what's the, um, there's like nor'easters. And yeah. there were other names for storm. What's the what's the one that's the 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 Latin name for a storm that they use? Um, I can't remember what it's called. Um, but yeah, I just every storm is the worst storm. Last last winter when we had an ice storm, they go, "This is the worst ice storm." I go, "It's it's it's just not. It's just an ice storm." <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I, like, I will say for 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 Ian, at least for where the where this hit, anyway, um, this is the most destruction they've they've seen in a long time. Like they, my parents have seen hurricane. They've been down down there about a decade. They've seen hurricanes and yeah. um, have been nervous about stuff and taking precautions and that kind of stuff. And maybe and and I think evacuated, uh, but they've never seen anything uh, like this destruction down there. My my mom's mm-hmm. just beside herself. Um, I, I will say this, like one of the one of the ingenious things about this community where they live, um, again, responsible for the care of a lot of elderly uh, retired folks, um, they actually have a, uh, they've actually built a uh, two story, I think it's at least two stories, maybe three, it's at least two story parking garage that's designed to convert into a storm shelter. Huh. Uh, and it can also, it can sustain a bunch of people for weeks. Uh, for like at least two weeks, I forget how many heads, but I think it's at least at least a hundred people uh, or more uh, they can sustain for like two weeks in this thing. So it's a parking garage, but like they've got these big, you know, uh, metal metal doors that fold down, and okay, uh, it's a pretty remarkable situation. Shelters uh, in. So over I mean, there. What, yeah. what do the people in this community do to to uh, you know result in the wrath of God in such a way? What? Oh. <laughs> yeah so yeah so so it's either, it's either it's going on if it's not if it's not global warming it's it's the wrath of god right i don't know i'm just asking i just thought i know it's not funny i don't know to make the light of the situation but i don't know, I just figure you know from a from a cosmological you know perspective when something like this happens you know it gets very reflective because you get you lose you know people lose so much you know yeah and so uh, and, and I think that it, it brings out the best and worst in people. Uh, yeah. so, but well, it's, it, you know, I, I'm blanking on whether it's, uh, I want to say it's Ecclesiastes. It's either class Ecclesiastes or Proverbs, right? Um, uh, I'm to shame. I don't know the specific reference, but, uh, you know, it talks about the, the sun and the, and the rain, rain, raining on, uh, both the, uh, um, both the, the righteous and the unrighteous, right? So there's there's a, there's plenty about our world that that hits both good people and bad people. Uh, it has has very little to do with uh, 
uh, someone's righteousness. Uh, it's it's a it's a fallen, broken world. We believe, according uh, be, because of the fall, and that that affects also um, what it's like to live here. Um, if you want, if you want to go all theological and cosmological, that's the that's the I, Christian, I, that's the Christian I, I viewpoint. In 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 the in you know, the math in the, in the the Hawkian theology, you know what I mean. <laughs> So, uh, so what's going what's going on in the world? You uh, you were hot on uh, thinking about something going on with Iran, which uh, given where my attention's been uh, this week, I've not been paying attention to. So what's what's going up? No, I mean, I, I so we know that there's there's all these um, protests happening. You know, hijab protests. I mean, I think I think the the, the challenges with um, with Iran is this always happens. You know, there's always these little flares. You know, there's a green revolution. Everybody said, "Oh, it's going to happen. The green revolution is going to happen." And 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 I, I remember that. I remember that, that. I remember a series of of pops in with Iran over the, over my career, and people saying, "This is it." And uh, and I always am very suspicious of this is it, uh, you know. Um, and uh, and I and but I think do think it's profound that the women of Iran are protesting. And you know, there's a there's it's mandatory. You know, it's a theocracy, which theocracies in general just aren't uh, the best way to represent. Uh, I, I would think the the will of of a of a of a population, because generally there's always it's going to be exclusionary. And essentially, from there, once you go to exclusionary, then you're going to start whatever vulnerable populations you have, and are going to are going to re are going to end up getting hurt and then it's going to emphasize or create all new vulnerable populations. So, right. And, and so, and, and, and so I, many of those, and, and so many, what a lot of folks have to understand is like so many of these countries that we think are um, monolithically religious or even ethnically, um, um, ethnically uh, monolithic, like there's far more diversity in reality. Is. It cuts both ways, though. I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here. So I remember way back in maybe it was 2010 or 11 when people were advocating for uh, Assad um, to be deposed and for the U.S. to get involved. And I remember very specifically uh, being on the Hill and uh, I, I and some specific hearings, and one of them was with Zudi Jasser, who is of Syrian descent. And I remember my Zudi Jasser was advocating, was a board member of mine at the American Islamic Congress. And we always didn't see eye to eye. Most of it was because of my, uh, at that time, I see, I was senior management, wanted me to be the bad boy in the organization. Anytime they had something that needed to be addressed, they would be like, we can't address it with the board member. So you do address it with the board member, you know? Yeah, and I'm sure you've been in those positions where, you know, you take the hit, but I'll make sure nothing happens to you, but you're going to, so my, my assigned board member was, 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 was Dr. Jasser. And, and I have no, no feelings for him at all. But back then I think I might've rubbed him the wrong way once or twice, but it was, <laughs> it, was, it was all, I was all under order. So it was because I disagreed. But anyway, so I remember him on the Hill advocating because he's, you know, a diaspora he was saying, you know, this needs to happen. This needs to happen. But what was really amazing at that time, so they're Alawites, so they're Shia, and okay. Alawite, Shia, Al so, so on the, or Shiite, however you want to do it. So they're not on the Sunni side. And this is the, the you know, the, the, the ruling family. And they're 
the Alawites, which they elevate Ali, uh, the cousin of, of the prophet, you know, peace be upon him, to, to a level of, I would say, it, it's, I don't want to say godlike, but godlike power is saintly in your world. Okay. You, so, so like, so like a venerated saint in Catholicism or, and, or higher um, than that? And like has like powers of God. So like, so like, uh, and it's, so this all goes down to uh, uh, um, the, the walking through flame, through fire and controlling a fire. It's a, these are stories as, and, 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 uh, and these are powers attributed to Ali. Anyways, in a sword that could, you know, that, that was given to him by God. But let's not muddy the water with with all that stuff. But <laughs> well, because I'm at, you know, it's, it, you know, it, it, you know how I am about artifacts, and I've seen this sword. This sword exists. It's in the, the Ottoman, uh, the Turkish museum, in in the Tapkaki Palace. And then there's there one of the, he has one of the sabers that were that was that was wielded by Ali that was supposed to have been like a fire sword, like the one the one that kept the people out of the, Adam and Eve out of the garden, one of those yeah. swords. Presumably one of the, that, that's one of the swords. So, um, but of course it doesn't have the power anymore. You know, it was, it was used up, I don't know, batteries. So, <laughs> so I think that, um, so the Alawites, it, it was interesting because I remember Zudi Chesser saying, this needs to happen. We need to impose sanctions. We need to do this, we need to do that. And I knew and sanctions generally don't work. We saw, I'd seen that most recently with with Ukraine and 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 uh, the war in Ukraine and, and Russia uh, sanctions don't work uh, and and it's never averted war but uh, and and said we need an immediate yeah. removal of Assad we need sanctions and we need to do so I can't remember what the third thing was we need to oh, remove all our diplomatic personnel and I, my argument was sanctions only hurt people removing diplomatic personnel removes the eyes and ears uh, that are there. And uh, it's easy. What's the so what? What now? If Assad disappears, we get rid of him. But um, that was an argument, certainly that I didn't win. Uh, but the, there was multiple faith communities that stood up, and a lot of them were, you know, Christian Orthodox, saying that they that the Assad regime respects their communities and doesn't persecute them, and this would mean be something very bad for us if if he's removed. Yeah. And uh, and that that those testimonies always stuck with me because they were really uh the, the, the first of all it was thoughtful and you know I, I you know i wear my dopey all the time and uh which is my the, my multicolored hat and uh and you know when I, when I always say when when people in funny hats are saying something you probably should listen to them and they're all wearing uh you know cultural culturally um uh cultural hats cultural dress and religious dress and so they they, they were coming from their communities and speaking from the heart and very thoughtful. And so in the Alawite regime, um, I, I think largely religious minorities were protected. But, uh, and I think that that's a, an era of theocracy. So I guess like I I'm kind of talking to both sides of my mouth. But, uh, you know, stuff like, I, but if you go someplace like Saudi Arabia or, or Iran, the most egregious, you know, the country that has most these human rights issues because they are theocracies and are very rigid in how they how they look at 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 faith and and populations. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of a, it's a theocracy coupled with a kind of a kind of totalitarianism, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would say it's I, it's very difficult because I think they use religion as an excuse to do things, right? And that 
I think, a difference because it, it, it like the I'm not gonna say the Syrians are doing it right or the Alawites are doing it right. I, I'm not sure I, I could weigh into that, but I, it, but those testimonies during that time really spoke to me. And uh, but I know that in Iran, you they were they have they have the the, the police of vice of virtue, which the, the the Saudis have the same. And uh, you know what the Saudis are Sunni uh, and they're Wahhabi. They're, they're you know they're Hanbal um, uh, Hanbali, and uh, which is one of the schools of jurisprudence. Um, and uh, and they they have the vice and virtue police, as does the Iranians, which they're Shia Twelvers, Shiite, they're Twelvers, and they're they have the the police of vice virtue because they have all these requirements for people. So I imagine if you were a Christian or a Zoroastrian or a, a, a Jew or or anything or a Baha'i, those are the ma- the major minorities um, in in Iran. And imagine if you were forced to adhere to wearing the hijab. And even yeah. Muslim women are supposed to, the, the decision is, this. so the Quran is about is all about equality, but then right. there's gender roles are, 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 are present. So, so what modesty is, is up to the young lady, right? Is yeah. up to the, so is it a scarf? Like a diberta, or is it the is it the hijab? Is it a turban? Is it you know is it you know do you want to wear the abaya, which is just the face you know showing, or or do you want to wear a, you know burqa, which is you know that's when everything is covered, or the niqab, which is uh, which is just like like a um, which is everything's covered, but you can see the eye. So so you know that's really up to the up to the it's supposed to be up to the woman, right? It's supposed to be her choice on what modesty is. Uh, and there's some interpretation of what 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 is required in the Quran, uh, you know, what is obligatory, because there's some question of whether or not in the Quran, and I'm getting a lot of trouble with this, or the meaning of the word that's that's usually interpreted as hijab. Right? Yeah. So um, so the, so that so but this is the problem in Iran. They require a dress code um, and the young lady that was that was detained. So this is my this is going to be the intelligence side of my first of all sure. first thing I tell my intelligence brain and my 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 government relations brain says okay she's a journalist they brought her in for tight pants actually not for the hijab but they brought her in for tight pants uh, okay. hot pants I guess she was wearing hot pants and uh, and I'm not saying that's a devalue but that's that's why she was brought in her pants were something was going on with her pants and um, and so my my first question is is Generally, whatever the reason that's given is not the reason that it is. So right, she's a yeah. journalist. What story was she working on and why was she brought in? That, that's sure. the first thing that hits me in the head. And so I go, I, you know, so does anybody know? Uh, because they, they are the excuse to pull you in is different than generally the reason in these countries, you know. Um, and so and then when everybody claims persecution, and everything else, like I said, they're burning hijabs right now. But she was brought in on hot pants. So why aren't we burning hot pants? So. Um, well, but they're linked, right? They're 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 linked symbolically, they're right? Linked, they're they're in the same the same principle, right? Same principle. But what was she working on as a journalist? I'm very curious to figure out what was the underlying reason. You know, like Khashoggi got himself chopped up in in in, in the embassy in in uh, in uh, Istanbul, or I was Istanbul or Ankara, I can't remember. And uh, and he was, you know, he was he was a thorn in the side of the Saudis. So we kind of get it, you know. And he was working on some stuff. So we kind of get 
why the Saudis would send a death squad to kill him. It's terrible. But so they, these, these countries don't like journalists. These countries don't like uh, people that are reporting out or have links to thing to, to the outside world. And yeah. so I am very suspicious, number one, of what she was she working on? No one's that to me. That's a profound question. And what and what is the under what was the real underlying reason for them to detain her? It could be just a harasser. Right? Um, I mean, I spoke to a friend of mine, a couple of friends of mine, and we've been chatting back and forth. And I was really nervous because over the last three months, the um, well, I spoke to a friend of mine and, and we were chatting back and forth. And she goes and she was she's a Christian uh, who is who lived in Iran. And, and she would say, well, you just, you know, you just kind of wear the, kind of wear the job and you just do it because you, you don't want any trouble. And I said, because I, I, I just asked her a direct question and because when these things happen and, and the direct question was to five of my, my, my lady friends who are from Iran. I said, so how come, how come when you, how come you weren't as, as, as a non-Muslim, explain to me, how come you didn't, you weren't killed by the police, police of vice of virtue? And that's a very callous and a very you know insensitive question but i wanted to get at the heart of it and and, they, and, I, and very simply the answer was i complied because i didn't want to get hurt and i didn't want my family to get hurt so that's so so my next yeah. question was do you think that this journalist was not in not in compliance and they go well they didn't take her in for not having a job they took her in for, for hot pants which you know it's that's questionable like you know what what what, yeah, sure. what don't so 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 then i said so do you think does it just just taking those two things into account and your experience living in Iran? Do you, what do you think is going on? And, and they said your assertion is is interesting because you would have to come. It's just like when a police when someone takes you know pulls you over here, a policeman says, "Oh, you swerved," you know, over the white line, you know, and you might not have done that, but they pull you over, you know, because you know there, there's there could be a reason there could it's, it could be an underlying reason, and she's a journalist. So, we, so that's an interesting, and I don't have any information or data on what she was working on, what was going on. All I have is the engagement that's happened. The second thing that, that was, is really interesting is if you look at the English and Farsi of, 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 of the Supreme Leader Khamenei, and you look at his, his what has happened, what, what the, the verbiage that was used from three months ago up to now, it's changed. Yeah. Now, he just showed up. He just popped up, and he just said, uh, you know, that the, it's the U.S.'s fault for these protests. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, Everything, um, everything's the U.S.'s fault. We get it. Well, well may, it, it might be. You know, we might be fomenting <laughs> revolution. It, that might be fair, true. But regardless... Fair, fact, fair enough. We we do have a track record. But but that may be true. And, and I, you know, so what? I mean, he can easily cite uh, U.S. involvement or interactions with multiple countries in the world, including his own. Fine. Two things to be right at the same time. I mean, I'm a regime change guy, so you right. know I'm not involved in it, so I don't really know. But what you neocon? Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's funny that like I, you know neocons are like left of center now. So uh, right, like, like, I, I'm like way. That's the ac- I, that's the accusation. I, I shifted, but some I'm somewhere uh, in the irrelevance uh, uh, area. I'm like so neutral yeah. now. Um, you and but, me, you and me both, brother. Yeah. So, <sighs> so one is, is that the narrative in, in his Twitter and the in English and Farsi has changed. His tone has changed. So I thought my, my initial reaction was that, that the, the Supreme Leader must be sick. He must have COVID and that and he's possibly dying because you couldn't you weren't seeing him. Right. So that was the initial sort of take that I, I and, and that I said, I said, I, and this is speculation, speculative. But if you were going to look at his if you speak Farsi, 
you could look at the three months and if you look at the even the English, he would dictate his to to his, his Twitter. He wasn't writing himself, but the tone changed about about two and a half, three months ago. Um, so it, that's weird. That was peculiar. That was an anomaly. Yeah. The same thing with this, like this, this young lady getting, getting pulled. And I think the third thing is, you know, you, you have this, this young population doing something extraordinary. They're, the women are burning the hijabs. They're, they're protesting in the streets. And that is always really good for a totalitarian regime because you get dissidents out into the streets and you get to sort of cleanse your population by a show of force. And you get rid of a lot of people, a lot of the troublemakers. Yeah. Um, and it's happening simultaneously with a war in the Ukraine and the Iranians are aligned with Russia. This all sounds yeah. like a conspiracy theory, but if you're, you know, <laughs> but, but, but if I was, if I was sitting across the table from a bunch of analysts, I'd say, uh, let's, let's run this down until we, let's get to the no on the Russian al uh, alliance. Is this something that is pulling from attention from the war in Ukraine? Does this have to do with, with Iranian fuel? What does this have to do with what's yeah. going on in Afghanistan? So these less, are the, things that the questions you'd be asking. Like, you know, less, less conspiracy, but insight into the kinds of questions you would be asking uh, the analysts. Well, I'm not coming up with any conclusions. I'm not, right, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, you know, this is peculiar. The narrative has changed. The tone has changed on the Twitter account. Why? Um, so is someone else running it? Was he ill? Uh, did, was he hit with COVID? We don't really know. He was, you know, bunkered in. Usually he's not bunkered in. Usually he's out there saying, you know, the, the people need to do this, the people need to do that, so-and-so needs to do that. And there, what that wasn't happening. Um, and he's, you know, it was, his, his, the, and I'll tell you how the tone changed. And this is something that I was briefing somebody. I go, it, it's more secular. It was just much more secular than the, in, in the syntax tech, that the, the content was, it was just more secular. And he's not, that's not how he speaks. So, so it was really peculiar now, but now he popped up and he said, oh, it's, uh, uh, we blame the U.S., which, which I, I can't say that we, I don't know of any action other than, um, I would say, uh, what, what's his name? Uh, Eric Prince's um, uh, plan to foment revolution and then start a ground war in Iran. So, which I've advised against multiple times because it doesn't matter what's going on in Iran. If they get invaded, it'll all be Persians and Iranians and they'll all unify under defense of the homeland. Um, but it would be great for, for war profit. Um, so, uh, I, 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 I'm, so these protests are profound. And how do you support something that's happening like this? It's, it's talking about individual freedoms where the hijab is more of a symbol of I would say persecuted um, and 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 really marginalized populations within Iran, within a country. And then yeah. how do you how do you engage a government that's not willing to, not really willing to talk? Um, and and I mean that on both sides. Our government's not willing to talk with them. You know? So yeah. so like I always find that really peculiar. And then when you work through intermediaries, and then look what happens. The same thing happened with working in in Qatar. With, with Afghanistan. You know, you have a sole source person speaking on behalf of the U.S. That was Ambassador Alizad. And then, and working in Qatar, in, in Qatar, with the Taliban and the Jaroa, the government of Islamic Republic, the government of Islamic Republic of Afghanistan at the time, which was President Ghani. And so that's that's what happens when you do it wrong, right? 
Um, and so well, I don't I, I don't know if we can engage the, the Iranian government appropriately to figure out, OK, how do we deal with this, uh, uh, deal with this in an equitable fashion? And I'm not sure they're willing to do that because they're trying to hold on to their 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 power. So um, these are just kind of observations and it's very speculative. But these yeah. are the conversations that are happening. Of course, you know, religious minorities are sitting there going, but, you know, it's a lot of the religious minorities that are here are largely representative of the diaspora community. So there's the fans of the shop, right? And uh, and that was, he was our, he was our puppet government that we put in after we deposed an elected leader. So the, the, their history is frozen in time and they want all their assets back um, that, that they lost in, in 79 in the revolution. So there's, there's a lot of advocates on that side. Uh, then there's a lot of diaspora that have flowed into the country, the US since then. And, uh, and a lot of those histories are sort of frozen in time, even though they're communicating, there's open communication back and forth with Iran. But one thing that's interesting is that with the people that I've spoken to in Iran, they say this is different than, and, than the uprisings that they've experienced in the last 25 years because of the amount of people and the, the amount of participation, the type of participation and the character of it. It's, it's more of a general... Um, cry out of of um, dig- for dignity, which is you know I'm very passionate about dignity of the human person, and under it is the Islamic, uh, under any faith group, but it, from an Islamic perspective, it, it, dignity of human person is is the core tenet. So I don't know how you can maintain an, an, a, a, the idea that you're a theocracy adhering to Islam and not address this from a dignity of human person. And really, that's Khomeini's out. That's the Supreme Council's out. Is it say you want to know what? So what? <laughs> like who cares about? The, it's like we don't have. You don't have to. If you're Muslim, wear the hijab. If you're not, you don't know what? Okay, okay. You know, like that. Like that would end everything. Um, at least, at least be what a great parlay, and and it would be a great show to the world. And then you're speaking. You're you're speaking in an Islamic tone. Period. Yeah. Um, but. I always talk about Wahhabis on the Sunni side, but in some time, but I always say this on the, I say there's Wahhabis on both sides, right? There's extremists, fundamentalists, I should say, fundamentalists on both sides. There's so in, in the four schools of jurisprudence, there's one of them is called the, is, is the Hanbali and the Hanbali is where you get like Salafis and Wahhabis and stuff like that. And they're fundamentalists. They believe in the fundamentals of Islam. And, you know, Shia Twelvers believe in large part, the fundamentals of Islam on the Shia side, on the Shia side. And so they're, this imposition just doesn't seem right. Uh, it doesn't sit well with me, and I don't know any Muslim that would say that it sits right with them. Um, although their personal and cultural preferences when it comes to hijab. So, but I don't think that would solve it. Iranian, the Iranian problems. But I think what a great parlay. It's saying, you want to know what? It's not a big deal because it's not. It's like if you don't want to wear the hijab, fine. You know, you can go for a headscarf, go for this, go for that. And if you don't want that, that's okay too. If you're Muslim. We'll leave it up to the families to arbitrate on what's going on there. And most families will require it anyways. So, yeah. and it's a big fashion thing. So, um, but I think what a great parlay to the people. And it would, I think, prolong the regime's uh, uh, lifespan if it did do something like that. But I don't know, maybe this, maybe, maybe this sounds like I'm advising the, the, the Iranian <laughs> government. And maybe that's traitorous. I don't know. So. Yeah, um, but I just like, why would you, why, you're you're why, trying you're trying some d- diplomacy, you know. If you're, hurt, look, if you're hurting women, 
it, you're probably not on the uh, uh, people in general because um, but if you're hurting women it's probably you're probably not on the right on the right side of right here let's just start off with that and where how do you how do you, you sit at home thinking that this is appropriate when the a lot of the ayatollahs that are part of the supreme council have the, there's all these pictures flooded of their daughters traveling internationally in like short dresses and dancing and doing stuff when you're holding this sort of double standard you know like you can it's googleable you know you just google you, the supreme council their names and then their daughters and they're all floating around or their sons and they're all you know going hog wild in dubai here there or wherever so you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth it's uh you know but I, i'm not sure you know I, again i i'm one of these guys that believes that there's certain maxims in islam so if you violate those then you cease to be muslim and maybe they're just totalitarian dictators and not really <laughs> muslim anymore so i don't really know yeah there there is that dynamic <sighs> hey so there was one other headline that we thought was kind of fun that you saw in the guardian uh before we wrap up uh t- tell us what you saw there it d- doesn't seem it seems like they're just posing the question now right they haven't actually contributed an article yet they're just soliciting uh contributions I guess so. Yeah. So what, what was it? It was, uh, what did I send to you? Oh, uh, when, when I die, which religion offers the best deal? It's just, first of all, <laughs> the question is like, like I, I, you know, I, I'm going, okay. So, so I, like, the, the question, me. the question reveals a certain, uh, well, it reveals a certain disposition about how one thinks about, uh, religion. Well, it's funny because we're, we're advocates for religious freedom, right? So people yes, we are. to change, to choose or not believe. So, so in that construct of freedom of religion, this is a, a, an interesting, interesting, profound, interesting question. It's very profound, right? So you sit there and go, okay, wait, what's the, what's the best deal? I, you know, honestly, when I think about it, you know, I, I'm trying to think of the best deal. So, I, you know, as, and, and everybody's going to say, well, as a Muslim, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Like, well, you know, I, I think that you, you've got to be really passionate about a whole, uh, a, a whole song and dance about what, like when, when, when you die, uh, pass away in, in Islam, there's 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 a number of steps to towards what you got what you would call the afterlife, right? And so, yeah. um, or Christians would call the afterlife. And so, there's, I think that um, my my I, t- I if I talk to my sister about this, she goes, "Oh well, it's obviously Buddhism." I'm like, yeah, I, I Google Google really? Buddhist hell, Google, Google Buddhist hell, and you're gonna be like, what? So like, I don't think I, I think you know. So I, I mean, Hindu's got a really good scene, you know. Shintoism, you know, and and animism. That those are always fun, you know. Like at the Greek gods, fun. That's fun, you know. Like you know, it's, you know, it's, it's like you could be a champion, and then you go across the river Styx. Got to have some coins on you. Yeah, you know, reincarnation and, stuff doesn't seem like a good deal. That see, that seems like a gamble. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like unless you, unless you can get, unless you can land straight into in, into Nirvana, but I, that doesn't seem to be a, a likelihood in, in, well, in those religions. You could also, I mean, you could, you, you know, you could, you could get reincarnated as African as an African president because you're you'll be president for life. You know, I mean, like you know, like that's you know, like I, I, I my first, my first uh, international development contract was bringing computers over to Cameroon. In 1997, and I met the president there. And guess what? He's still the president. He's still the president. Like I go, you know, like what's going on? Um, so 
I don't know what I would like to be reincarnated as. I can't, I don't know if I could speculate on what I would like to. I mean, you know, I think, I think you, know, you know, you say a king, people say kings, princesses and stuff like that. You know, a good friend of ours, Greg Mitchell, you know, is, uh, is a, a um, what is he, a, a Scientologist. They believe in signing like million year contracts. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, 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 it's very sort of, to me, like dismal to think that, that you're going to obligate yourself for that long on something. Right. Yep. Um, I, I'm kind of in the process guy. So I like, you know, I like the 14 stages of death in Islam and then getting to the point where you're at the right, at the right moment, you know? Um, so, but I, I think it's an interesting question. Should we, I mean, do we want to unpack this? Or do we want to make, commit to addressing it next time? We can talk about the Christian perspective on death and the Muslim perspective on death. You want to, yeah, we and, can do that. Yeah, sure. That and then we can sit. We can we can duel back and forth on it. I don't. I would never advocate for someone to. I think that what I believe is true. So, um, and so I would never impose that on anybody. Uh, but I I I think that the child and I'm not sure that we all go to the same place. Maybe we do. Um, um, but, uh, I think that there's stages and we all fall in different stages and different religions unpack that differently. Um, some are right, some are wrong and some are in alignment with each other. Um, and that's what I believe. Um, so I would think that whatever you think is happening, you know, I mean, you, like you, you say, if I don't find, if I don't, I know that if I don't have Christ, if I don't accept Christ, I'm going, I'm, I won't be saved. Right. Like that's generally the Christian yeah. evangelical mindset. But I mean, I believe in the priesthood of Asadisa and I've got my journeyman carpentry card and he was a carpenter. <laughs> I figured it's straight to heaven for me. Why regard? <laughs> like, I don't, why wouldn't he take care of, they were all fishermen and farmers and are fishermen and, uh, uh, what's it called? Carpenters. Yeah. The Christian love. claim is, uh, viewing Jesus as Lord is, uh, is the only way. Uh, to be with the father yeah but we, we gotta save that for next time because we're out of time yeah no well i mean and we're gonna i know we're gonna head head go headlong into paul so we, you know we, and I don't paul, want to paul helps paul helps us understand it but we don't have to go to paul we could we could look at the we could look at the gospels well and i you know i feel so uh, one of the listeners said that i was very dismissive in the beginning of our last conversation and you know we we poke, I, we, 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 the Paul is always our anchor point to have fun with. But, um, so I want to, I want to acknowledge this with you. So I'll, and I'll just with Paul, he, this is the, the problem I have with Paul is that he's so appealing to me. He's a guy operating in the service of the Republic essentially. And, and he's a good soldier. And uh, like, like there's a lot of similarities, at least, where, where I kind of look at this guy is a it's service of the Republic, right? It's, I've served the, government, the U.S. government for a long time. And then I'm always charged with creating narratives to get around immovable objects. And so I admire him for service of the Republic, but I also admire him because he doesn't, he comes at the law from this really unbelievable perspective of going around everything and then hitting it from Adam or uh, Abraham in, you know? And then, so that's his back door into the Abraham faith to unpack 
and undo his the, the Jewish law to allow Gentiles in. And that's an amazing, amazingly profound way of 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 getting at of 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 uh, describing of getting at how Gentiles can take a Jewish Jesus movement into something very broad and something that's very accepting. So that's my that's my gift to you. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, like I because I, I, I never I always hold back a little bit on my like knowledge of it all because I'm just poking fun and stuff. But I admire Paul for you know those three reasons, and because he's really amazing at how he does approach uh, unpacking a Jewish Jesus movement. You know, a Jewish rabbi that said adhere to the law. He said no, no, no. You know, the idea of circumcision and all that stuff, and how he gets around it is 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 quite is 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 quite brilliant you know so um and there's the other element that these are formative years of the christian church so none of this stuff was doctrine at the time right you yeah. know like he was you know he was kind of thinking out loud i think with a lot of the letters and stuff he was sending out so that's my pauline give to you because <laughs> i feel bad about the first you know, a couple minutes, five to seven minutes of our of our podcast from the from the from from before. You know, so so I so whatever it is, buy a lot of ticket today or whatever, because this might be the only thing you get about Paul. But I think that that I wanted to make sure that I I acknowledge those elements so that we could frame a conversation about which is the best. And I'll talk. I think the next conversation we'll talk. What are the what's the we'll compare notes. Well, well, let's look at the Islam and Christianity. Evangelical view of death. And yep. what happens? Okay, so you drop dead. What happens? Yep. And, and I'll do the same thing in Islam. Yeah, that sounds good. Until right. next time, my friend. This has yeah, been Crossing Phase, available on all the social medias and wherever you listen to podcasts. See you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time. No problem.